now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. Are you happy at work? I mean, really happy at work. Do you enjoy what you do? If you work alone in isolation, chances are you aren't happy. Yeah, apparently the loneliest jobs lead to the least happy people. You don't have to take my word for it. An 85-year-long study has shown that... Wait a minute. Do we really need a study? Okay, imagine night shift security guard all by himself in an empty office building. Of course it's depressing. We don't need an 85-year-long study, but yet one was done. Here's what I find most curious, though. I'm saying, obviously, the night shift worker is going to be depressed. Alone, night, you know, I'm not talking about a group of people working together at night. I'm talking about the guy or gal alone, isolated completely all by themselves. It makes sense that they would be the least happy people. However, I like being alone. Anytime I've been involved in construction projects, my favorite jobs on the job are where you're completely by yourself. For example, if you, you want to make me happy, you want to make Chris Story happy, I don't know why you would, but if you wanted to make Chris Story happy on the job, you put him in an attic, blow an insulation. I don't know why, but that's, <laughs> I really like it. Uh, or roofing by myself, just uh, putting the puzzle pieces together of a shingled roof, not metal, not steel, that's not for me, but shingled roof, I love doing by myself. In a, in a studio by myself writing, it's where I'm happiest. I love it. So I don't know how this jives with the study uh, or, or making pottery by myself in a dark windowless room. Love it. Even here in this empty radio studio, of course, I don't consider this radio studio alone because you're here with me and I get that sense. So that's, that's a little bit different. We'll take that out. But the reality is you deserve a career that makes you happy and one that makes you money. Here's my contention. I put this forward as a positive truth, undeniably true. If you have a job you're not so thrilled with, you've got a job that you're it's just okay, just tight, and you add a side hustle of real estate, you're going to be much happier on whatever job it is that you've got. I'm not kidding you. You work full-time on your job and part-time on your future fortune, as Jim Rohn advised, and that future fortune is your real estate portfolio. I'm telling you, you'll be happier. You've got mail. All right. Got this email from a listener. Dear Mr. Backyard Millionaire. I'm not kidding. That's how it came in. Made my day. Dear Mr. Backyard Millionaire, if we decide to keep our house versus selling it, what do we need to do first? Asks Jason. Jason, excellent question. First thing you want to do before you make this decision, I love that you're even thinking about it. I love that this is on the table. I highly recommend having this conversation. But the first thing you've got to do before you completely solidify and land on a choice is determine what is the fair market value of your home as a rental. You want to make sure that if you've got a payment, for example, that it can be met by today's fair market rent. You want to be making sure that you have some positive cash flow above and beyond your payment so you can handle maintenance and, you know, potential vacancy for a minute. 
And then the second thing I'd like you to do is determine, is there an appetite for your home in today's rental pool, in your backyard? I'm assuming there is. Anywhere in the country right now, ask any property manager. They're starving for more available units. We know we're millions of homes and millions of units shy of just the next five years up and coming generational moving out. We're shy. We don't have enough rentals. So I'm convinced you're going to find an appetite for your home, Jason. But the question is, will it pay as a rental? And not every home will. There are some realities where maybe it just doesn't make sense. Either your payment is higher than can be sustained by today's rent, or if that's not the case, maybe it's just um, not in the sweet spot to, to go forward as a rental, in which case then you and I should be discussing why aren't you selling and doing a 1031 exchange and buying something that's in the, in the sweet spot for your market, in the rental zone, that's better, maybe more apt to to satisfy the appetite in your backyard. But here's the thing, because you told me, Jason, you're not gonna be here, you're not gonna be in your own backyard, you're moving away thousands of miles from where your home is, I highly recommend in this case, and I wanna emphasize it's in this case, you hire a professional property manager right out of the gate. So I, I, I love property managers, I love, I've been a property manager professionally for 27 years, 28 years now, so it's not that I'm against professional property management, but since you're new at this, 99% of the time, nine out of nine and a half times, I'm gonna recommend that you do it yourself for a while. So you get that fingertip feel. You learn about your property in the context of renting it out. You know it as a home, but I want you to know it as a rental. I want you to know the ins and outs of the process. Screening applicants, your tenants, handling leases, handling the negotiation, handling pets. Do you want them? Don't you? Which ones? How's your insurance going to deal with pets and things like this that you are best apt to learn by having done it yourself for a while. But again, since you're leaving the country, literally, not just your state, you're leaving the country, I suggest you start with a professional property manager. So there, there it is. Just first of all, determine the fair market rental value. Now, I want to put a pin in that for just a real quick second and say my very first rental, Jason, I was told by a very trusted professional property manager that I'd not be able to get enough to cover my payment. And I, I said, thank you. I, I appreciate you taking a look at this and I, and I understand what you're telling me, but... And then I set forth what the rent would have to be. And she said, okay, we'll try. And they did it. Never did we miss a single day's rent. We were right. And the market proved it. You got a friend in me. got a question for me, please go to my website, ilovehomeralaska.com, ilovehomeralaska.com, and just click on Chris Story. Send me a message just like Jason did anytime, anywhere. You got a friend in me. You got troubles. I got them too. There ain't 
realize that most people, I'm not everybody, but most people are shocked when they find out how bad of an electrician I am. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I read that online earlier today. I said, I'm going to share that with you because I want to talk about hiring your weaknesses. I can do some plumbing. I can do some electrical. But when it comes to my real estate portfolio, never will you find me doing any plumbing or electrical. You've got to hire your weaknesses. You, don't want, you do not want to be responsible for flooding your, your rental house. You do not want to be responsible for shocking somebody to death. And it's serious. So you've got to hire out who can do that. Yeah, look, if you are an electrician or you are a plumber, different story. My cousin owns a rental and he does, of course he does his own electrical. He's an amazing electrician. Why wouldn't he? But he doesn't build decks. And so what did he do? He hired somebody to build a deck, second story deck, by the way, that's important. So you got to hire your weaknesses. And this is when you, you start learning about building your tribe. We'll be talking more about building your tribe a little bit later in the program. Also, Tiffany Story, my own personal life coach, will join me on liking your decisions. We make a lot of decisions in life. You better like the ones you make. And Tiffany Story will be here to talk about an actual decision that a listener shared with me they were struggling with. So we brought Tiffany in to talk about it. Rhonda Johnson with Cornerstone Home Lending also is going to be talking to us today about what in the world is mortgage insurance anyway? By the way, I um, think also there's some changes that you're going to want to hear about. Rhonda's going to bring us all up to speed on what's going on. I'm going to ask her some other questions about when to lock in your interest rate. How do you know when to lock in? When's the perfect time? She's going to tell all of us about that in just a moment. Here's a question. What if a tattoo could save your life? What if a tattoo could save your life. Well, at Texas A&M, scientists have developed, in fact, a temporary tattoo that can measure your blood pressure, and it'll last for 300 minutes. Isn't that amazing? A tattoo that reads and measures your blood pressure. I thought that was just fantastic, and it kind of reminded me, just bringing this back to me, as I so often do, as a realtor, I've always wanted for, for years now, I shouldn't say always, but for years, especially since I gave birth to Jacob Mann, I, and my goal is to make real estate folk, you know, the hero of our own story, because we are. I mean, this is so often I can count you as a property owner and, and realtors in that in that same vein, but I want to have list and sold on my knuckles, right? Just right across the, my knuckles, one, one, one hand list, on the other hand sold. I just feel like that'd be so absolutely B.A. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Coming up, Rhonda Johnson with your mortgage moment straight ahead. Did you know that in the United States of America, you have more lighthouses than any other country in the world? It's true. We have over 700 lighthouses here. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. And you know that our Backyard Millionaire formula is leverage multiplied by effort equals reward. And leverage is 
mortgage. That's right. Mortgages, whether it be private or otherwise, mortgages are your friend. Here is our friend, Rhonda Johnson with Cornerstone Home Lending. Rhonda, how are you? Hey, Chris. Doing excellent. How are you? I want to know what interest rates you're doing. I feel like I should have a wooden spoon at the at hand. I can just bite down on here for just let me get a let me get a a, a little um, a little rye whiskey or something and a and a wooden spoon. <laughs> so, all right, what are interest rates doing today for the average buyer? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, we're still hanging out in those low to mid sixes, um, depending on the type of loan you know, and all those different things. And uh, we could be nearing the sevens, but we're still pretty solid in the sixes right now. And how are you determining? Because I was just reading in the book you sent me, which I'm ever so grateful for. There's Money in the Streets by Barry Habib. And um, mm-hmm. it's just reading about like how difficult it is, Rhonda, to know when, without your help, how on earth does the average person know when to lock an interest rate? So how do you, how do you advise that? What, are you just constantly got your finger on the pulse and then you stay in touch with somebody that's in the process of buying or borrowing? Yeah, for the most part, Chris, here's my recommendation right now. Go ahead and lock. We don't know what they're going to do. They change so quickly up and down that, you know, it could be an eighth of a percent up or an eighth of a percent down, or it could be a quarter or a half a percent up, not usually that much of a downward trend. So right now, between now and probably the end of 2024, I'm just saying, you know, let's go ahead and lock. It's not going to make enough of a difference if it's an eighth of a point down but it could make a significant difference if it goes up a quarter or a half a percent on the rate. So let's just lock, let's be done with it, not worry about it. And then um, we'll keep an eye on it for in the future in case we see an opportunity to uh, improve that rate later on. But for this moment, they're too volatile. Let's lock it and not worry about it anymore. All right. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. And I've, I've always counted on you to, to tell me when it's the right time. And, and you've never steered me wrong. I've never once locked an interest rate over the last 20 years with you, Ron, and gone, Dag, it. I should have waited a week. So whatever you're doing to watch the market, um, we appreciate it. What would you recommend anybody who just for sport? Like, I, I want to know, I mean, are we, is there a particular website you go to or recommend people go to and sort of monitor, or is there so much chatter across all of the wires that um, it, it's just not, I mean, there isn't just one spot where we can aggregate that information? Yeah, you know, I uh, I, I, I just wouldn't. I, I'd reach out to your lender. I'd talk to, you know, the, the biggest expert that you know. I use actually two every single day because they vary just a little bit, just with the two that I use within my industry. Um, I, I kind of watch them both and they both have a little bit of a different opinion. And so I gather both opinions and then I make my own from there, um, depending on which one makes the most sense. So it's just, unless you're really immersed in that financial world, it's mm-hmm. very confusing. So yeah. rely on your expert to help guide you and just know it's, it's not a permanent thing for 30 years. You can change it. Right. What's your expression? You could date your rate and marry the house. <laughs> marry the house, date your rate. Could yes. be your forever home. It doesn't have to be your forever loan. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and yeah. real quick, I want to talk about some changes you're seeing in in programs like FHA and VA. But real quick on that topic about your forever home and and loan with an investment property, because because a lot of us are looking at becoming backyard millionaires. I want this to constantly be at the top of your mind that if you own a home, I want you to own your second, third, and fourth, and then we'll see where you go from there. But for, and, and with respect to that investment property, if the interest rates ebb down a little bit later, let's say you, you acquire a triplex today, 
And then in, oh my goodness, at the end of 2024, or early 25, the rates are down. Uh, is it much more difficult to refinance an investment property as opposed to your primary residence? Possibly. Um, so sometimes they'll come up with with special like streamlined type refinances for different loan products. Uh, and sometimes they do require that it be your primary home. But other ones let you go ahead and refi it without, say, the benefit of an appraisal, but just requalify and make sure that you're still in good shape to uh, refinance it if it's an investment property. So they change the rules all the time. It could be a little more difficult to refi to get a lower rate on an investment property than your own primary home. But then again, they may come up with just across the board. If you have this type of loan, everybody can streamline refinance if it makes sense. All right. Well, and that's what we'll rely on you. I'm talking with Rhonda Johnson here on our Mortgage Moment on the Backyard Millionaire. You can reach Rhonda directly and start your own conversation at rondajohnson.net. So, Rhonda, what are you seeing? There's, you mentioned to me this morning that there are changes coming or changes that are already happening. Uh, what are they? What are we looking at? Yeah, so a couple of things, you know, like, um, FHA has been a really great um, friend of ours for for financing for clients that either need that lower down payment, maybe need a little bit lower credit score, maybe need a little bit more expanded ratios to qualify. So they play a really big part in our financing needs. Well, FHA charges a mortgage insurance premium. And that's one of the questions I get all the time, Chris, what the heck is this mortgage insurance? Yeah. And basically, you know, if we go way back in history, back into the 20s or so, people would save up to put a minimum of 50% down on their loans. If you had an 80% loan, that meant that you put 80% down and the banks only loaned 20% to help you buy it. And so that changed through history where you'd put 20% down and the banks would loan 80%. And that's just how it was done forever and ever. Well, in the 40s, the government came along with FHA, VA, USDA loans and said, tell you what, you lenders, you let these homeowners in for less than 20% down, and we, the government, will back that loan. So if for any reason it fails or it doesn't perform, then we'll jump in and we'll help you with any expenses due to a, a failed loan. So the lenders all said, okay, but the government does not do that for free, right? They're going to get they're going to get paid for it. So FHA, VA, USDA, I'll have some kind of a mortgage insurance or a guarantee fee. And with FHA, they charge you an, a premium upfront. But instead of having you pay that in cash out of your pocket, they let you finance it. So we finance it out of the, over the life of the loan. And they also collect a monthly premium. Now, up until April 7th, so anything that closes after April 7th is going to pay a premium of 0.85% per month. So what the heck does that all mean? That's like kind of confusing. And they've reduced that down to 0.55%. So what that means to us in real life um, payments and, and money is, let's say, for example, you borrowed $300,000 under the old program then you're going to be paying about $212 a month. But now under the new program, you're only going to pay $137. Hmm. So that's $75 a month savings. Right. And if you are okay with that payment, then instead of reducing your payment by $75 a month, that gives you about ten dollars to $12,000 in more buying power. Hmm. So now that kind of maybe puts you into a little different level mm -hmm. of 
home pricing that you can look at with this monthly savings from FHA's mortgage insurance. And with FHA, am I correct in saying that that is with you for the life of the loan? There is no, there's no escaping that if, in an FHA loan? Well, if you do the minimum down of 3.5%, if you happen to do a down payment of 10%, then it's going to be with you for 11 years. But if you do less than 10% down, it'll be with you for the entire life of the loan. Okay. And again, dating the loan, Mary. Now, you can refinance <laughs> out of that um, if you if it's applicable down the road. Um, but, yeah. but, but mortgage insurance isn't applicable. Like there is no mortgage insurance with VA loans, correct? Correct. So VA doesn't have a monthly mortgage insurance. What they do is they do a VA guarantee. And so they're going to guarantee the lenders the same thing, similar to FHA. But if the loan fails for any reason, they're going to jump in and help out the lenders with any expenses involved in a, in a foreclosure. And so the, they just reduced their fees um, where previously it was 2.30%. They've reduced it down to 2.15%. Now, that fee is not paid in cash by the veterans. That's actually typically rolled into the mortgage and financed. So, but that's a pretty big chunk of change mm -hmm. that you're adding onto your loan amount. So if you have a home for $300,000 and you have to add on that 2.3%, that's almost $7,000 you're adding onto your loan amount. So in this case, it's not a whole lot of monthly savings. It's only about $450, $500 that you're saving. But I know you and I know me. And we're always looking for a way to save our clients a penny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And is that the same as the VA funding fee or is that a different fee? That's the exact same fee as the VA funding oh, fee. Okay. That's so funny that I never looked at them. <laughs> okay. I get it. Thank you. I, I appreciate you explaining that. And let me ask you this real quick for our veterans that are also investors. Can you buy a home with the all intent and, and legitimately live in that home with a VA loan and at any point move out and decide to retain it and keep it and, and lease it? Is that okay? Absolutely. And in fact, with VA, VA has a really unique um, opportunity where you can have financing on VA loans all the way up to the conventional conforming loan limit, which means one million, uh, what is it, 89,000. So if you had, say, a home that you bought for 400000 with zero down with VA, then you still have $600,000 in more buying power with VA with zero down. Oh, wow. So let's say, like, you found another home for $500,000. You can still get into that home for 500000 with zero down. Now, your next one, if you didn't sell either of those two, then you would have to probably come up with a little bit of a down payment, depending on how much difference there is. But the biggest requirement with all of the loans, Chris, is that if you buy it as an owner-occupant, that you're going to live in it for 12 months as your primary residence mm -hmm. and fulfill right. that obligation. Right. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, obviously you'd want to do that anyway. I mean, that's just um, the reality of getting to know the house and, and moving through, though. And, and uh, see, a lot of people will buy, fix, and flip like on a two-year basis and and they'll go through that process or they'll build a home or have a home built for them and hang on to it for a couple of years and then sell it and flip it. And and I just want to open your mind to this concept of buy, live, hold and keep it in your portfolio because you, we've seen what's happened since 2020, for example. The, the, the growth in your asset 
has been phenomenal over these just these last three years, let alone 10 years or 10 years from now, the last 10 years or 10 years forward from now, that asset is worth so much more. And if you just sell it mm-hmm. and you kill that cow, yeah, you might have a great steak, but you don't have anything else. So I say hang on to it, milk it for a long time, as long as you can anyway, and you'll be so much better off. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of reasons why people would hold or they would sell. Yes. And, you know, that's why you need to talk to your team to find out yes. what makes the most sense for you. I just did my taxes and I have a few things coming up in my future. And so it was having that conversation with my tax planner that said, okay, how do I need to handle this and this and this? <laughs> um, because... I need somebody to help give you that advice. Yeah, exactly. And I want you to have Rhonda on your tribe. Find her online, rondajohnson.net. Rhonda, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Have an excellent day. You too. We'll be back with more on The Backyard Millionaire. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story along with Mr. David Webb. This is the show that we talk about how to make and create and keep wealth in your own backyard right where you are with what you've got. Thanks for being here. Up next, Tiffany Story joins me for deep thoughts from shallow minds, debts and doubts. So I got a message the other day from a listener, and he should be incredibly proud of himself. He owns three properties free and clear. But in the course of the conversation, he also mentioned he feels like he's holding himself back and he's wanting to explore using some leverage, but but he's got doubts. He, you could you could just hear that he's he's holding himself back, and he wants to know what to do about it. I mean, first of all, that's amazing that he owns. Did you say three properties, three. free and clear? Yep. I yep. mean, that's like just right there is above and beyond what so many people will ever, you know, create in that. But, you know, I think that something to consider is, first of all, it could be right either way. Like there really isn't a right or a wrong, but this is what I would kind of coach him to consider is deciding if he likes that reason for not moving forward. I mean, I just think... It take it, you want to kind of consider like, okay, if I don't purchase any more property because I'm concerned about debt, is that a reason I'm gonna like for not going further with mm-hmm. the rental properties? So letting fear guide you. Like, I mean, is that what exactly. you're saying? Do you want? Do you want to have allowed the fear of some debt? be the thing that held you back from going further mm-hmm. with his with his investment properties. And I think you're only saying that because he expressed concern about holding himself back and maybe expressing wanting to do more. However, I feel like in the converse or the sort of the flip side of the coin you're suggesting is you could also choose just to stay right totally. there. Totally. I mean, look, if he if he, he was like, you know what? I'm so thrilled that I own these three properties free and clear. These are all investment properties. They're bringing in cash flow. I mean, if that was all he wanted to do, and I say all in quotes, I mean, that's still amazing, right? If that was the extent of what he wanted to do, that's amazing. I would say if that, you know, if that's what's driving, you know, 
his decision to do, to get into debt or not to get into debt, like, and he likes that reason. Great. But I'm just saying, consider, consider the reason behind it. And if he truly wants to do more, but is afraid of the debt, decide if that's a reason that he likes for making the choice to avoid that. But implied in that, nobody would like that reason. Would you? Could you like that? I mean, if in other words, fear, if I'm letting fear hold me back, I'm never going to like that. I want to stamp that out. Well, it's not about the fear. I mean, look, if he's, if, if it's really about fear, then yeah, I think that you want to consider if that's, you know, the reason you want to not go into debt to, you know, further expand your, your rental properties, but maybe it's not fear. Maybe he's perfectly happy. And this is like the goal in which case, he likes that reason for keeping these three properties and not doing, you know, going to another level with it. So the message is, if you're content with the three, but th if he was, he wouldn't have been texting me what he was texting me. But if you are content, so be it. Like that, like your reasoning for staying there. But if you're not content and you're letting fear hold you back, you better deal with that. Right. Well, and in this case, it sounds like this person is saying that they would like to, you know, do more, mm -hmm. but there's a concern about debt. And then that, that I think, yeah, maybe, maybe they want to take a closer look at that reasoning. And, you know, one of the things like we've talked about is like, what would your future self be glad you did? You know, what would your future self 10 years from now be glad or disappointed that you did, did you set them up for success? Um, was the debt you got into something that was not what you call good or, you know, good debt versus bad debt? I mean, you know, I, I think just considering where do you want to be in 10 years and will your future self be really glad that you did go ahead and, and take that leap? because chances are, are pretty good in real estate, it's, it's going to pay off. I like that. It's a little bit like you and I were on a, a power walk, absent the matching track suits. We'll get those. <laughs> um, I'd like mine to be gold with, uh, black with gold trim. I think that of would course. be, yeah, I think that would be <laughs> suited. But we were talking about generations from now and setting up a trust for a couple of reasons. One, we'd want to put our properties into a trust for the benefit of future generations, but also to be able to reach out from the grave and control their lives. But we actually really were kind of like, that was a really great conversation. I was like, actually, it was really inspiring. But you could dial it back and just go, wait a minute. What about my future self? Like you just said, would my future self be glad that I put this vacation on my credit card? Or would my future self be glad that I got this mortgage for this multifamily property? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, you might be watching a little too much succession. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. But I mean, for sure. I mean, this could be not just your future wealth um, and what you're looking at with your retirement, but it could be your future generations. It could be changing the lives of future generations as well. I mean, real estate really has the ability to, to do that. Yeah, that is so true. And you within your own life just have that ability as well. If you have that conversation from that future place with your current self, you may or may not 
decide to incur more debt. You may go, you know what? No, dude, I told you, I I like owning everything free and clear. You're happy where you are and fine. And you're saying, own the reason, like the reason, live content. I mean, look, it's going to be different for everybody. You know, there are people that, I mean, we... We have created the um, real estate investments that we have over the past 15, 20 years, and we're not done yet for sure. But I mean, there's still like, there's where we're our comfort zone Mm -hmm. and somebody else, I, I think we look at it differently, like... Um, with the backyard millionaire concept is that you could own four homes or four rental properties in your own neighborhood and retire with wealth that you would not have had if you had not invested in that way. I mean, there are other investors who would just think that was nothing, you know, and you hear the concept of like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, 500 doors and these half their properties they've never even seen. I mean, that's just, we decided that was not us. Mm -hmm. That was not what we were about. And um, so, you know, I think deciding what it looks like for you deciding where you're comfortable, but also being willing to just be open to stepping outside of that comfort zone just a little bit. If we never would have done that, we wouldn't have even started with our first or second properties. So the message is like your reason, but I would just put an asterisk there and say, you better not be lying to yourself. You better be telling yourself the truth. Yeah, for sure. Just take that into consideration. Like what is driving your um, decision to go into some degree of debt to purchase your your investment property? What is driving that or what what is keeping you from doing it or driving you to do it? And I think no matter what, you want to like your reason why. I like that. And speaking of generational, sometimes doubt doubt about debt, doubts about your abilities or capabilities or what's possible are generationally handed down inadvertently or well-meaning our, our future gener- or past generations, but maybe some of that gleans over into your life and you can handle that, And you, but you better like your reason mm-hmm. for doing or not doing something. And that applies to investing as well as the rest of your life. Absolutely. All right, Tiffany, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're listening to The Backyard, Millionaire, How to Create Wealth Where You Are with What You've Got. Have you read The $6,000 Egg? It's a, it's a fun little read. Uh, Todd Duncan, he tells the tale of how a restaurant, believe it or not, denied his request to have a fried egg added to his burger. Now, this is the ironic part. The restaurant, get this, the restaurant already offered a fried egg as a side, but they just didn't offer it as on top of a burger. And they refused. The, the chef was asked by the waitress, and they're, no, not going to do it. So basically, Todd Duncan surmised that that one refused egg cost that restaurant or future lost business and referrals from him and his family and his, his company, which was looking for catering services and uh, banquets and things like that, cost them 6000 dollars in lost revenue. He calls it the $6,000 egg. Well, Todd Duncan also said this. He said, you must learn that selling is not selling. It is providing. And the key to providing is knowing in advance what to provide. So with your rental properties and your rental brand, you have to know 
what the market wants. What does the market want? What's needed? What's required in your area? What's not being met? And then you go on to live like you're selling, or in Todd's words, live like you're providing every single day. It is easier to keep a tenant who's happy than acquire new tenants. It's like customers in any business. It's easier to keep people that love you and are happy and are your raving fans. That's much easier than acquiring new and going through the transition. And in fact, turnover is quite costly. So you want to keep that down as much as possible. So what do you want to provide with your real estate brand? You want to provide quality and you want to provide caring, concern. You want to be attentive to the needs, not just of the market, but to your individual customers who are your tenants. You can take that to the bank. I want to tell you a story about an Irish immigrant who never went home. And I want you to meet Donald, the other Donald. And then if you procrastinate, if you ever procrastinate, you're going to want to hear what I've got to share with you when we return here to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around, much more to come. Direct from Homer, Alaska. Don't panic, just come up with a good story. Here's the host of Backyard Millionaire, Chris Story. I want you to meet Donald. I know what you're thinking. I'm talking about the other Donald. He's a billionaire. He's in real estate. He's a real estate billionaire, and his name is Donald Bren. You've probably never heard of him. Donald Bren is, in fact, on the Forbes 400, one of the wealthiest real estate entrepreneurs in the nation. He is the richest land baron, uh, in fact, um, in all of California. That says something. He's from Irvine, and he owns more than 127 million square feet of real estate. Most of it's in Southern California. He's 90 years old. His father was in real estate. His father was a real estate investor. And in fact, Bren, Donald Bren, got his start by working as a carpenter's helper on his father's buildings. He owns more than 570 office buildings, 124 apartment complexes, not apartments, complexes. And Donald Bren owns 97% of the Manhattan MetLife building. Can you imagine what that's worth? Now, he owns 97% of it. Donald Bren, he is gifted. Get this, because a lot of people erroneously think of wealthy people as cold, just self-centered and conceited. Get this, Donald Bren has donated more than 57,000 acres in Southern California for preservation of parkland and open space. Hello, is this, is this on? It's a donation, 57,000 square feet. That's impressive, to say the least. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, Have you ever heard of Brian Buffini? He said, real estate is the purest form of entrepreneurship. 
And he should know something about that. Brian Buffini moved to America when he was about 22 years old. And unfortunately for him, fortunately for us, unfortunately for Brian Buffini, he had a terrible motorcycle accident. And he never went home. He never went back to Ireland other than to visit. So what do you do when you're stuck in a foreign country with a broken leg and hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt? Well, you start selling real estate. He became a real estate agent in California. And he realized something really quick. The money, the wealth, was being made and kept in real estate. It was his clients who were fantastically wealthy. So Brian became an investor himself. And now, when Brian Buffini goes back to Ireland to visit his parents and family and friends, Brian's flying his own private jet. They say love is more precious than gold How about you? Do you tend to procrastinate? I mean, we all do to a certain extent, but, but how big a problem is procrastination for you? Renee Rodriguez wrote about procrastin- procrastination recently, and I really like his work. Renee it, it just does really, really in-depth research on a lot of interesting topics to include, in this case, procrastination. Here's what he said. Procrastination... And he's quoting from a scientific journal and study on cognitive and effective neuroscience, way above my pay grade. But he says that it's an emotional issue. Researchers suggest that procrastination may be the way of avoiding negative emotions associated with a task rather than a failure of self-control. To overcome procrastination, it may be helpful to use emotional regulation techniques such as mindfulness, to manage negative emotions and reframe the tasks. But it doesn't stop there. He's got advice. Renee Rodriguez says, here's some actionable advice for anyone who suffers from, and I would say severe procrastination. We all put a few things off. Like I've got some things this afternoon I've got to do, and I'm probably going to put them off until the last minute, but I'm going to do them today. But there are other things which I procrastinate longer than necessary, and I'm going to try these. So using mindfulness techniques, Renee Rodriguez says, Use deep breathing, meditation, things, things like meditation. In fact, are you familiar with TM, trans- Transcendental Meditation? I'm looking into that. Tiffany and I both are looking. I find it interesting from a standpoint of regulating your thoughts and your breath. And I don't know anything about it. And I know I think, I think it's like Fight Club, the first rule about TM. <laughs> you don't talk about TM. You have to learn it from somebody that's already been trained. Anyway, long story short, you don't need to do that. You can simply use deep breathing exercises and meditation, he says, to manage your negative emotions and stay present in the moment. These techniques can help you reduce anxiety and improve your self-regulation, which can reduce the urge to procrastinate. I just, I, I'm, look, I'm not looking for... It isn't my goal that you and I have an excuse as to why it isn't so bad that we procrastinate. What I'm looking for is an actual solution, a workable solution, and I think Renee Rodriguez has landed on it. It's an emotional issue. You're tying to this task for some reason. It's bringing up something. And rather than try to stamp it out and become, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Willpower of the the year, simply use mindfulness techniques like deep breathing and meditation. 
And I, I think it's a great way to start your day. And here's one thing that, that I've been working on lately is not overloading the schedule for the day, not overloading. Be more realistic with how long it's going to take. This is one of the bigger issues that I've come up with in my own life. And what I've observed is when I'm really procrastinating something, there's a really good chance I underestimated the length of time. I overestimated my ability to do something in a shorter amount of time. And then it, it becomes frustrating to a point where you say, you know what, I'll do it later. It's like, be realistic with how long it's going to take to do something. Arnold Schwarzenegger on real estate, he said early on, I did not rely on my movie career to make a living. That was my intention because I saw over the years the people that worked in the gym, worked out in the gym, and the people that I met in acting classes, well, they were all very vulnerable because they didn't have any money and they had to take anything that was offered to them because that was their living. Arnold Schwarzenegger said, nope, I didn't want to get into that situation. I felt it was I was smart, if I was smart, with real estate and took my little money that I made in bodybuilding, which, by the way, to be clear, I have never made any money in bodybuilding. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger talking. And in seminars and selling my courses, I could save enough money to put down on an investment property. I realized in the 1970s that the inflation rate was very high. Therefore, an investment like real estate, nothing could beat it. And he's unbeatable. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he made his first million dollars in an investment he and a partner made in an apartment building. He's a fascinating guy. Barbara Corcoran, have you watched Shark Tank lately? Rhonda Johnson, a couple of weeks back on the program, I asked her what she was watching. Are you streaming anything? She said, well, I watched Shark Tank in the background. I hadn't watched Shark Tank in a long time. Gone back to it, and I'm loving it. I forgot how much I enjoyed that show. And uh, Barbara Corcoran said this. She said, buyers decide in the first eight seconds of seeing a home if they're interested in buying it. Get out of your car and walk in their shoes and see what they see within the first eight seconds. Now, she's referring to you selling your home. I would take it a step further and say that Barbara's right. She's exaggerating. It's more than eight seconds. But, I mean, she's basically making the point that first impressions. Do the same with your property brand. Do the same with your rental brand. Get out of the car. Go, go into the hallway of the apartment building. Go outside the house. Drive down through the neighborhood where you own your four homes or your five homes or your first investment home and really see it through the eyes of your customer, your tenant. If you do this, you will ensure that you'll be probably marking zero on your vacancy rate. Ivanka Trump said, real estate is my life. It is my day job if you will, but it consumes my nights and weekends too. Well, here's the thing. Real estate on the side, I'm not Trump, and unless you are, unless this is Eric or Don Jr. or somebody listening, you're probably not either. The reality is this investment strategy is perfect to meld with your life, with your current business, with your job, with your hobbies, with your family. I think a side project of real estate will become your way in, in a way of thinking, a way of being, a way of doing. You'll never, once you become, once you decide, you don't even have to get to the first four homes to make this transition. Once you decide that you'll be a backyard millionaire, you'll never see the world the same way again. Real estate does not have to consume your life like it does for Ivanka Trump, but it can certainly improve almost every aspect of your life, and you can do it on the side. I'd love to give you my millionaire maker, the secrets from the backyard millionaire. 
Six Practical Steps to Your First Four Homes, a step-by-step guide to becoming a Backyard Millionaire. We put this together with with some of the, the research that went into the book, The Backyard Millionaire, and then Tiffany and I put it together with the concept of what we've done over the last 20-plus uh, years, 28 years managing properties and uh, working with other people's wealth and then creating our own. We put all the secrets right in here to the millionaire maker, and I want to send it to you. All you have to do is text message me your name and email address right now, 907 907 299-7653. Send me your name and email address and I'll send this to you. I was talking about tribes earlier and how I don't do electrical work anymore. Uh, well, chapter two of The Millionaire Maker is all about putting together your tribe. You want to have a quality group of people. I just got a text message from somebody earlier today asking me why the contractors in their area are so reluctant to do the work that they're asking to be done. They won't even show up and look at the house. Well, you need to have somebody in your corner. You need to have somebody that's professional in all these aspects of real estate investing. And I share all of that with you in the Millionaire Maker. Text message me right now, 907-299-7653. Your name and email address, and we will send you a copy of this Millionaire Maker Secrets from the backyard, millionaire. You put the word secret in something, and that makes it more valuable. But this is free. I'm offering it to you for absolutely free. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you to Mr. David Webb for engineering the broadcast. Thank you and all of our wonderful sponsors. We, we, I love doing this show. I love that you're here. I'd love to connect with you. Remember, my website is ilovehomeralaska.com. And if you'd like to hear this or any of our other broadcasts, go to ilovehomeralaska.com and click on podcasts or wherever you like to download podcasts. It's all available there for you. I'm Chris Story reminding you to look forward in life, learn from your past, and never forget that the good life is lived right here in the present. We'll see you next time. <laughs>